This episode, I want to give a quick disclaimer for this was not intended to be a podcast episode at first. This is a recording of a conversation held between my team and a writer that we work with. And we decided to have a really personal nitty gritty conversation on pitching and what the best practices look like for that and the uh, personal opinions of this writer and her experience. It's something that we try to kind of stay on top of whenever we can. These conversations are so important for us as PR people. And while every writer and every publication, as you'll hear in this conversation, are different in terms of what is best for them, what will create the most success and all of those things, having these actual conversations with writers is so important and helpful and useful when it comes to our work with them. So being able to have these conversations with specific writers and hearing more about how things are going for them right now, what things are going to make us be more successful as the person pitching them stories, what things are they looking for, what is life like for them right now when it comes to writing stories, the pitches they're receiving, the ways they're working with their publication, and all of those like behind the scene things are so, so helpful. And when we ended up scheduling this conversation, Cheryl just ended up being really, I don't know, I somehow asked, I think if it would be okay for us to record the Zoom conversation since everything's on Zoom these days anyways. And she was totally open to it. And we ended up deciding that it should be a podcast episode. So we're basically bringing you in behind the scenes of this conversation that we had. So this episode is obviously a little bit different and you will just hear a little bit more kind of back and forth between us in terms of actually talking about, you know, asking questions and talking about how things work for us and how things work for her and a little bit more of that conversational side of things, which I think is really cool to be able to share with you guys. But it's definitely a little bit of a different type of episode. And just the conversation in general is a little different. But I think that you guys will find this so, so useful that I'm just really excited to share it with you guys today. And I'm really grateful that Cheryl was open to and able to have this conversation in a way that we could share it here with you guys. So I really hope you'll enjoy. Definitely let me know what you think and take some notes while you listen to this one. Also, I think you might be able to hear my family in the background a little bit as you might have gotten used to in some of these episodes that have been recorded since we've been staying home. I try to record these when I'm going to have as much quiet as possible, but it doesn't always work out the way that I wanted it to. And as much as my amazing editor tries to edit these episodes so that you will not hear any distracting sounds in the background, sometimes there's just absolutely nothing she can do about it. So bear with us on that as well. Welcome to Quotable, a female millennial entrepreneur podcast, the show by and for female millennial entrepreneurs who are building and running thriving, successful businesses while living life to the fullest. I'm your host, Alessandra Polina. So I am now recording. Yeah. So, so yeah, tell us like what, tell us, tell us what you're all about. So I am Dr. Cheryl Robinson, aka Dr. C. You can call me Cheryl, Dr. C, whatever you like. I am an international speaker. I created the brand Embrace the Pivot. I'm founder of Ready to Roar, and I have a column at Forbes Women. 
And I started this whole pivoting journey, embraced the pivot journey three years ago. And through Forbes Women, I'm a, so having a column, I'm a contributor. I'm not a full-time staff writer. Just want to make that clear. Uh, I highlight women who have pivoted successfully throughout their careers. I love it. And that's so relevant right now. I'm actually, I, just to hear you say you started it three years ago, right? Because I feel like pivot's such a buzzword, right? Yeah, I know. I I like to say I've been using it way longer than everyone in the past six months. But uh, yeah, pivoting is so relevant right now because everyone has been thrown into pivoting. And real quick, there's two types of pivoting. So I did my dissertation on pivoting too. So I have all this data, all this knowledge, and there's two main types, personal and professional. And whoever you are in this quarantine, you are experiencing at least one, if not both of them right now. So yeah, on a mission to spread the knowledge. (laughs) But today we are talking about the do's and don'ts of PR. So this is another hot topic for me. I've been on a lot of panels during quarantine because everyone seems to have gone crazy. So I'm here to help guide you down the right path to land uh, some cool features. Yeah, we always love to hear, you know, opinions straight from the source of the you know, the people that are on the other end of all of our pitches. And there's always such good insight to hear from someone who's getting probably a lot of pitches, probably some that are great and some that are terrible and always interesting. Yeah. Uh, so... Do you want to ask me questions? Do you want me to just talk? Um, I'm happy to answer your team's questions too. So however you want to do it is fine with me. I think, I mean, I think first I kind of want to just like hear your overview of like what your initial thoughts are. I mean, you probably, yeah, I kind of want to hear like how, uh, obviously knowing that, you know, it's not your full-time like job to be a writer, you know, you're not Mm -hmm. like a staff writer. So how, what does it look like in terms of like, how many pitches are you really getting like every day or every (laughs) week and like what types of pitches they are and are people doing a pretty good job targeting, you know, tailoring them to you? (laughs) Okay. That's what I want to hear. Like what kind of things are happening? And then maybe we'll ask more questions from there, but that's really like my main thoughts when I first think of it. Okay. So During quarantine, or let's rewind, before quarantine, I would get around 60 pitches a week. Mm. Gradually through quarantine, I got more and more where I am now up to 300 pitches a week. Wow. Wait, I'm sorry. Can we back up for one second? How long Mm -hmm. have you been a contributing writer? Three years. Okay. So for this whole time period. Okay. So it's been, oh, it's been a while. Yep. Okay. And it, it just blew my mind. Cause at first I'm going, wait a minute, like what's going on. But I think with everyone being home that they have more time and I get pitches midnight. I get pitches 2am in the morning. It's just around the clock. I get pitches. And now, I mean, just this week, Tuesday and Wednesday. So just Tuesday and Wednesday, not even Monday or today, 75 pitches. And it is, it's crazy. And they, if I, out of those 300 pitches, if I entertain five of those pitches, that's a lot. So I really want to help 
you and you meaning PR in general, you know, publicists in general understand that like doing your research and your homework goes so much further than just sending out blanket emails. Mm -hmm. So let me ask you that tough question. Do you send out blanket emails? We don't. One of the things that's really important to me and that I think I try to drive home a lot among my team is I would rather pitch three people in a month and get three articles or get even one or two articles Mm -hmm. than spend days pitching like 300 people just to say we did. And I say this to clients too. I say there's no reason to pitch 300 people just so you can see a list of 300 people we've emailed. Right. If the same one or two people are the ones that are relevant and are the ones who are going to write a story. So I think everybody on my team will say they've (laughs) heard me say this a lot. And we try to do a lot of research. I say, let's think about who we want to pitch. Let's look into them for a while, you know, get to know them, make sure they're really the person. And Mm -hmm. then we can do a pitch that's going to make the most sense and save everybody a lot of time. Yeah. And you know, you've been there, you can tell when it's a blanket email and it usually just says, hello. It doesn't say anything. And my second biggest pet peeve is they don't get my name right. Mm-hmm. And, or they put like, hello, Robinson. <laughs> like they, they, cause they don't know how to work the the MailChimp uh, uh, merge type of thing. Yeah. yeah. So wait, and, I have one other quick question just from what you just said like how many articles are you actually able to work on in a week or in a month? Like just to think about, I know you said like, if you could do five, like that would be a lot, but realistically, like what are you actually able to do? So I write five articles a month. Okay. So So out of those 300. Right. And also you have to understand. So this goes into like developing the relationships, doing your research, finding out who's the right, fit for what you're looking for and then seeing what they write about. So I write, I do profiles. I don't do breaking news. That's someone totally different. And I get so many, you know, embargoed until, and for me that, that doesn't matter because I don't handle that. I do profiles. And when you do profiles, you can book out a couple months in advance. So for me, I'm booked out through the end of the year already. So I, uh, so many people, they'll be like, oh, please, can you do this? That we're running this campaign in two days. That, you know, I'm sorry you waited to the last minute, yeah. but that, that's not me. That might be somebody else. But also the blanket email. I know that you're now using um, a system like Scission. Do you use Scission? Have you heard of Scission? It's Right. We don't use it right now, but we, we have all used it in the past. Yeah. And I know that there's probably 500 other Forbes writers on your list. Right. And you're just sending it out and we can't like profile pieces. We have to allow so much time in between when they were last in Forbes because so I get a lot of this too, where, Hey, can you write about this person? And I'm like, I just wrote about them two months ago. And now they're with a new PR firm and they didn't do their homework to see what they've already been in. Oh, it's happened so many times. And I have to say to them, I have already written about your client and what new information could they possibly be sharing within a two month period? They're 
And like, you shouldn't even have to like be right, like spending your time writing that response email. So how many, what would you say is kind of like the breakdown? Like, I know you said you've been getting a lot more during since quarantine. Do you think Mm -hmm. that's, is like, what's the like breakdown between like PR people versus like the business owner, the the woman themselves, like pitching you personally? So let's just go with a hundred per, right? Like a hundred out of a hundred articles, I am getting 98% from publicists. Oh, okay. 2% from Oh, I thought like you were actual- thinking maybe more people are, are pitching themselves. Okay, yeah. so it's mostly publicists. And I saw that in the beginning. A lot more people were pitching for themselves, but that has tapered off. Hmm. And now I don't know if they just bring in one person to do PR. I don't know if it's a big firm. But yeah, 98% is from still publicists. Wow. So- I would say, so we, one thing we noticed, especially like at the beginning and that I've seen a lot of people say too, is that we're getting a lot less responses from journalists. Like even people who used to like, who normally reply to stuff or like, you know, just usually, you know, if you send out 20 pitches, you'll get like, you know, a certain amount of them to at least reply whether or not they're going to write the story. And that was like, nobody was hearing anything from anyone. So it's probably (laughs) like everyone's just been so inundated. Because I I used to be that person, if it wasn't a good fit, or I just don't have the bandwidth, I would reply back. But when you start getting 300 a week, that's a full time job just answering people. And a lot of people too, and you can tell um, if they're new to PR or if they are pitching for themselves is within less than 12 hours, they'll, you know, send the follow-up, please respond. Wow. Like, that's not how that works. <laughs> <laughs> now it's yeah. like, now you have two emails in my inbox. It's going to mm-hmm. take me much yeah. longer to get through them. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So maybe that's a good time to say, do you have a preference in terms of, I mean, that's something people always ask is like, when should I follow up? Yeah. And it varies per writer. So right. for me, if you follow up three or four days later, I'm okay with that. And if you do follow up, I will respond saying something at that point. But if you're following up within 12 hours, you're not. And let me just share this story with you. So this one lady pitched me. And again, you have to know who you're pitching. I highlight women and I can't tell you how many pitches for men I receive. Mm -hmm. So right there, as cool as it may seem, that's not my beat. And so one lady, she wrote to me and I told her, this was before quarantine. I said to her, I don't highlight men. She goes, okay, I'll make a note of it. A month later, so now we're into quarantine. A month later, she sends me the same exact pitch. I delete it. Then every day for a week, she sends me the pitch. And then finally I blocked her and I said, do not ever contact me again. It was it was obnoxious, like completely obnoxious. Like so, the whole new pitch as if she had never emailed you before mm-hmm. or not even like a check. Like, I mean, a check nope. in every day would be bad enough, but it was like, she had nope. no system to keep track of who she'd pitched and she probably pitch, was shooting yep. it back out. Yep. Wow. Oh and then, gosh. and then some companies, they have multiple publicists and I get the same pitch from not even, you know, sometimes I'll get it from the, um, the same company, different team members which is crazy too, because you're not then communicating, but I get the same pitch from different PR firms for the same company, which is crazy too. That's 
I can't. So I don't, so for you, do you like, how do you vet your clients? I mean, I feel like I've never even thought of that. You mean that they hired <laughs> two different PR and companies? It, yeah. Sometimes three and it's, and it's, it's happened multiple times. It's just, oh, wow. it's just not like a fluke. Like, okay, this one company. Yeah. I've oh my gosh. That's never with... even crossed my mind. I feel like uh, <laughs> if you have three times uh, the budget for PR, yeah. like yeah. it's a lot more and we can do more work, yeah. but, but wow. also, also a lot of PR or a lot of publicists I've been talking to, they don't do the retainer or the fee per month. So they only get paid per placement. So that's when they do the blanket emails and they really are aggressive with their pitches and following up because they're only getting paid per placement. Don't and say that out loud. I've had people <laughs> ask about that and I'm like, are you crazy? That's not a thing. I didn't know anybody would actually do that. But to me, really that, to me, that's a bad business model because even – there's some articles that, yes, okay, they go out the next week, but then there's some articles, again, profiles, it's three months down the road. So yeah. by that time, you may not even be working with that client and then here they get the placement and you're not getting oh, paid. Absolutely. So, so that's a horrible business model. So it makes, I mean, that's what, I, it makes no sense. Cause I always kind of preach to people too. It's like PR is, it's such a long game. Like not only can you pitch an article and I mean, I've absolutely had writers come back to me a year or two years later, like, Oh yeah. Remember that thing you had pitched me? I'm like, first of all, I'm like, you know, sometimes like, I don't know what they expect that. Like some, uh, if you didn't do the story for three years, the client will have fired me, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. probably not. So <laughs> but, um, and, but that does happen that people will come back. And I mean, we're actually very lucky. Most of our clients have are very long term, So usually it's okay, but it happens that they come back like a year later and they're like, now I have space there is something relevant for that story or for that client. Like we'd like yep. to talk to them. That absolutely happens. It also happens where people will reference an article that came out like a year or two years ago when it comes to just like just all the brand building that comes mm -hmm. from PR mm -hmm. or like you can literally get clients or customers coming in from an article from a year ago, or like that could be what sparks them to get back in touch with you or talk to like whatever mm -hmm. it is. And so to think that the value of that PR work was just the cost of that, well, like getting that one piece placed, it just makes no sense because you, you yeah. like, again, as the, as the company, you might be making money off of that for years. Mm -hmm. So yeah, mm -hmm. that's, that's a bad business model. <laughs> <laughs> that's baffling. And it seems like then like, what's the point of getting the right placements, right? Because when you just try to get, I mean, maybe there's some kind of tiered pricing, who knows, but like, you would just be trying to get a placement any, any, anywhere and everywhere that you possibly can get it mentioned and not necessarily have it actually relating to any kind of strategy for your, for your PR or your brand thing. Yeah. And PR is definitely long-term. And what a lot of companies don't realize is that you're building relationships. So it may not happen overnight, but once you do develop that strong relationship with the writer and the publication, you you're in. Because when I have a relationship with someone, I look at their pitch. I just don't delete it. And that's half right. of the battle. And building that relationship, you understand what they write about. So when there are people who actually do the research and they put in there, great pivot story, I open it. Because I said, all right, it's not a blanket email. They actually know what I write about. And then they most 
like, I would say 85% of the time they reference one of my other articles, which mm-hmm. is awesome. And as a writer, you want to feel that people are actually reading your material. So right. when they referenced it, whether or not they actually read the full thing, I don't care. They actually, they went there. They it's like at least it. they even thought to put in the effort to find exactly. the title of one and put it in the email. Exactly. Like even if they yep. didn't even read the article. Yeah, yep. no, I totally get that. I feel this, like, even when I get like, emails to like my, um, like people applying for a job and like, they'll just put like, hi, hiring manager or like dear sir or madam. And I'm like, it takes literally one second to look at my website or like any of our social media and see, first of all, right. we're all women here. Second of all, you can very <laughs> easily tell that I'm like the owner of the company and the person that would be in charge of this. So like just direct it to me. Like they're yeah. just little tiny things like that, that like, I just imagine are so obvious when it comes, it's similar to like pitching and mm-hmm. Just putting in one minute of effort just yeah. makes it so much worth it. Like I'll literally just, I'm not going to consider somebody to work for me if they can't even figure out to say my name <laughs> in an email to get the job. Like, cause obviously you're not going to be a good PR person if yeah. you can't do enough research to yeah. find who, who's hiring you. So I, uh, yeah, it makes, it's, it's just, <laughs> it is baffling how much people don't think of that, but you would think that people wouldn't get that far into an actual PR position (laughs) without some of these skills, I guess. But uh, so uh, any other, any other kind of like major do's or don'ts that you've been seeing? So a big do is as PR, that's your responsibility to follow up with the writer. So I actually had a situation where I interviewed this woman, things were great. And then I reached out to her publicist and I said, here's, I need X, Y, and Z. She never sent me X, Y, and Z. Mm -hmm. And again, I'm booked out. So it's not like I'm looking for articles or desperately need them. So I said, okay, like she'll get it to me when she gets it to me. A lot of time went by, like a lot. And she was mad at me and I said, oh, but here's my email. I'm not like, I'm not going to hound you. Like they're paying you to follow up with me. Like they're not paying me for the article. So that I feel I'm very, I feel very strongly about that is as publicists, it's good to follow up (laughs) and not miss an email. Yeah, absolutely. I would think that's kind of like, for us, I think we think that's the most important. I mean, like obviously clients are very important. If a client emails us, we're going to try to get back to them. I would say like, number two. But if a, yeah. if, a, if a writer, if an actual contact email says that's number one, mm-hmm. like, because that's, as you, I mean, as you said, that relationship is everything. And if, if they don't think they can get to you when they need something, then they're not going to come back to you. And if they don't think that you're going to get them what they need, like once they've actually yeah. already done the thing that you asked them to do, then like, what's like, what's the point? Yeah. I think yeah. like, I've also found that if, if a writer feels that or has seen that you are punctual and able to get whatever they need, whenever they need it, they're more likely to come. Like if there is an opportunity, probably not in your case, but like an opportunity where they have like a last minute space for something, or they have something like, you know, maybe they just need like a quote to help round out a story that's coming out like next mm-hmm. week. They know they can come to us and be like, do you have something that would fit here? Cause they just need something quickly. And they know that we're going to, I mean, even if the answer is no, like, but we're going to try, try to find something to help because we want to be that resource just as much as anything else because then it's helpful and then there's opportunities in other things like that yeah yeah 100 percent it ladies it's just all about the relationship building i know it takes time but it's who you know and it's how well you developed a relationship with so the publicist that i have a relationship with 
they don't send me every one of their clients. Like that's another don't. I've had people send me all their clients, like 50 people all in one email, which is, you know, a day's worth of reading. (laughs) And just like, I don't look at that either because then tell me you're not taking the time to see what I write about. You're just hoping that someone on your list will fit what I write. And so the publicists I do have relationships with, they send me people now and then who they know is going to fit my column and who I'm going to want to highlight. Yeah. That makes a lot more sense. Yeah, for sure. What about when you do, I mean, I know it sounds like it's not super common, but when you do get somebody emailing on their own behalf, like without a PR firm, does that ever feel like I sometimes have people ask me, like, does it seem more genuine coming from myself or does it seem more professional coming from a PR firm? Like, is there a preference there? I usually tell them, I don't think there's that much preference except for the things like we already talked about, like how I'm going to be available all day long every day to make sure that you can get the follow-up material to everything else you'd need. But I'd love to hear your, your thoughts on that. Like if you feel one way or the other, when you see a pitch or if it's just about the pitch, it's just about the pitch. I, I don't, feel one way or another. And for those who are doing their own PR, I give you a lot of props because it's a hard job to do and it's time consuming, but it it is all about the pitch. So for me, what I like is when they, when you give a snapshot, three to four sentences, like you could tell a story in the three to four sentences of your client and why it fits my column. And then at the bottom, you give me like the basic bio info, you know, your, your normal pitch. But if I have to read the entire email, which sometimes I get, mm, it's like that's a good question. Par- it's eight paragraphs long. I'm not reading eight paragraphs long. And if it's at yeah. the bottom, you've lost me. So yeah. I always like snapshot first and then all the info too. Okay. So like one paragraph pitch, basically one paragraph of the main pitch at the top and then like yep. details exactly. underneath for if you're interested. Yep. Yeah. And like for the extra details, it doesn't matter how long that is. Cause if I'm interested, I'm going to read it. Right. But if I'm, you know, if I'm not interested, I'm not. And then if you don't do that snapshot and in the first paragraph, I'm already turned off. Like your pitch is lost. At the right. Bottom. Right. That's always a struggle. I think yeah. for us and for anybody is just keeping getting everything across in a really short amount of a short amount of text, right? It's like yeah. hard to make sure that you can show how amazing this person is <laughs> without writing too much of it. That's one thing we're constantly working on, I think. And you you might have seen just a couple of times, like I don't find this common, is people will do um, like short videos of their clients. Mm. Like they'll put together a brand video for them. And within like 30, 60 seconds, it shows who their client is. So with that snapshot, then I have that video too, where you, people are like, oh, 30 second video, 60 second video. So I know it's not long. I'm going to look at it to see. So that might be something that you mm-hmm. could try and implement. Yeah, definitely. So would that be like the the actual person like speaking like to the camera or like them doing what they do? No, um, it could just be like a montage almost with wording over it just to give the writer Mm. 
a sense of who they are. Yeah. Yeah. And it would stand out in your mind a little more. So you're like, Oh mm-hmm. yeah, I saw that yeah. On video. <laughs> yeah. And again, that's only happened a handful of times, but I was like, wow. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> now this, as, this as soon as I'm in here, as you say this, your email is going to be inundated with videos. <laughs> <laughs> um, actually that's a good question though, too. What about like attachments in general? That's another thing that people ask and it seems don't do it. Don't do it. Oh. Don't do it. Everything should just be in that body of a paragraph and just business in general. People don't open attachments unless if they have to. So it it's better. Like it, people are going to read it more when it's just all right there. But if I have to click mm-hmm. and I may sound snooty right now, but like that's how it is. I'm not, I'm not opening up an attachment. I totally hear you. And then it could also sometimes, depending on your Wi-Fi, it loads way slower too. And then at that point, you just hit delete because yep. it's like, yeah. I'm not going to deal with this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what about, um, is it helpful to you when somebody shows like other links that of articles, like similar type of profile articles or just any article about them or their business that they've been into, like kind of that snowball effect of like you've seen they've been in other media. Are you kind of more like, like, oh yeah, that's cool. Like maybe they'd be good to feature. Um, it does because it gives reference to it. Um, you know, people try and fluff up their stories, mm-hmm. which I understand why you do it. But at the end of the day, if I'm like, if I'm interested and I start doing the research and what you said, there's nothing on the web to back that up mm-hmm. that hurts you. So having that, having those links in there definitely helps. Yeah. People should keep in mind that you're probably just as good a researcher or better than they should be right as yeah. a PR person like you're yeah. gonna find out you're gonna figure it out if if yeah. they're like fluffing it or making it look better than it is yeah that's good to keep in mind yeah so I'm trying to think of what other like big questions people often ask us um this has been so helpful already. I think it's really interesting to hear it from your perspective. Yeah. Uh, does your team have any questions? What do you guys think? Um, while you were talking, I guess, what are some of like the similar, if there are foundational elements of your favorite pitches you've received? Are they all just like very creative? Are they usually on the shorter side? Like what are some traits, I guess, of your favorite pitches? Good question. So my favorite pitches are definitely the ones who've done research. So it's all, it's all about pivoting. So when they start off with my client has a great pivot story, they went from fashion to sports or sports to fashion, and they've raised a million dollars, $10 million in funding, and now they're helping empower women. I'm just using that as an example. That's great. Send me more information. And then at that point, I hope you have the more information at the bottom. So it's it's really just knowing who you're pitching and what they cover and just being able to frame it in that short three to four sentences is great. And then we can dive deeper into it. But like and press releases... All my writer friends, we do not read press releases anymore. Unless if we're covering that, you know, breaking news, embargo right. news. But other than that, like for a profile piece, I don't need to see a press release for that. I need to see their story and who they are. What about um, 
like imagery like for something like do you need to make sure that like have you ever had somebody like pitch a story and then like they don't have a good headshot to give you or something like that like does that ever play a part in like what your piece initially um, be like so yes and no so at Forbes we only work with horizontal pictures no no vertical and I can't tell you how many times like I've tried different coloring wording when I tell publicists horizontal Mm -hmm. right photos and I get vertical and as a contributor you don't have a team so you you have to understand that too if they're a full-time staff writer they have a team who can edit the photos and it's great as a contributor I'm my own team and I love when people say oh oh your team can just edit the photo no my team cannot just edit the (laughs) photo so it's that is definitely something to keep in mind. And having that media kit available is huge with just some people like um, just headshots, professional shots. Some people like actions, action shots at a meeting on the red carpet speaking. So it's good to have all of that. And then another thing I got one time was here's the Google Drive. And they had 500 pictures in the Google Drive. And I said, I'm not sifting through 500 photos, which, you know, they're old, like, right. right? So which ones are most recent? And then I got one. They sent me the Google drive. Okay. Use whatever photos you want in here. I used it. They write me back and they go, that's not my client. Well, well, oh my God. The Google drive. <laughs> like you they know? sent you the whole, the wrong link or something. Or it was literally just a photo of a different person. Yeah, there were a couple photos of somebody else. Oh my gosh! Again, that's on you. (laughs) I don't. I don't know. You said use whatever picture. So interesting. Yeah, and sometimes photos, believe it or not, hold up the article because they just they don't have them. Oh, they get horizontal shots. Like so, it's good when you're working with the clients to say, hey. I need vertical and horizontal shots. I need different types of shots. And a lot of the times too for articles, especially at different publications, you don't want to use the same picture that New York Times used or the Wall Street Journal. You Mm -hmm. want to be able to give the publications different pictures because when people Google and they see the same picture of the person, your article may not get clicked. Right. Yeah. Because it's the same. Yeah. They think it's the same article. That makes a lot of sense. And that's probably something people don't think about much. Like a lot of people are like, here's my headshot. Like Mm -hmm. this is the one image we use for everything. Or people even think for consistency's sake, we should only have like one or two pictures like out there or something that we use for everything. So that's a good point to have like variety just for Different. Yeah. And, and update it. Cause like you said, they use it all the time. So mm-hmm. if people Google that person and they see the same picture that they saw two years ago, they're not going to click on it because they don't know that it's new information. They think it's tied to that thing that happened two years ago. Yeah. That's such a good point. Yeah. That's really, I'm going to make a note of this because I think that's <laughs> an issue. Like a lot of times people, I mean, people hire a PR firm and they don't at all understand how important imagery is in mm-hmm. in everything we're doing and or they'll be like here's yeah here's my um you know folder of f- the photo shoot I just did two years ago when I like yep. you know re the company or whatever and it's just like they it's hard to 
express <laughs> that that might actually make a difference in in, yeah. in our pitching and in what we'll secure because that is so important when especially when everything is online media and it's like fine it's differentiating like who's gonna like are you gonna click on the article or not like that but, is yeah. so important and people don't really I think a lot of times from the brand side they're not thinking about that and even if you kind of say it they're not really gonna believe you so I'm glad to have this uh yeah. clip of you saying it. Yeah. <laughs> and and if I could share one more thing yeah. this is a huge pet peeve of mine Ooh. is when people say great interview opportunity for you mm. Nope, delete. I'm not doing you a favor. <laughs> not, you're not doing me a favor. Like I always tell people, unless if it's Eminem or Oprah, then like, yes, that's yeah, uh, interview opportunity for me. But other than that, it's not. I had a local company like just starting out. They were maybe six months into startup. And they wrote to me and they go, We'll give you this great interview opportunity with us. And no, like, like that kind of gross. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> don't try to make it seem opportunity for you. It's like they think it's like they think they can do some kind of like reverse psychology. Like if they make themselves seem so cool so, and exciting, yeah. then like you're gonna think, yeah, oh yeah, I definitely should take up this yeah. opportunity. Like <laughs> you yeah. don't know the difference. Yeah. I was gonna say, um, oh, I just saw a like on Instagram or something the other day, like on a, a PR account that I follow. It was like. Um, and now I'm not going to, of course, have the wording quite right. And it was an actual somebody's thing. So I'm sure they'll never hear this. <laughs> but it was like a writer had said like, oh, I, you know, if I, if you pitch me your client and I say like, okay, sure. And then like, don't come back to me and say, oh, I'm going to discuss this with my team next Tuesday and get back to you on if we want to take, if we, if this is an opportunity we can go through with or something like that. And I was like, oh my God. Like people yeah. must do that. Like they almost like pitch All something the and then have like, haven't, aren't sure it's something their client wants to yeah. do or something, or they just want to make it seem like they're holding the cards or something. I, yep. Yep. So or weird. it's, or it's that they want that client. So they feel that <sighs> if they can land you, then they can go back to that person and say, Hey, I have a great, uh, or I have the New York times lined up for you and then sign with me and you'll get it. Oh that gosh. happens They'll a lot. Pitch yeah. The client before they or mm-hmm. the person before they're a client. I can't, I can't even imagine having that much time <laughs> on my hands to be pitching people yeah. who I'm not even working for. I guess I sort of see how that could work. If you, and then you've done the legwork. So you're like, yeah. you don't actually have to do the work after you've secured them. But I can't imagine, again, it's like that research. Like how do you have that kind of information about the client to be able to actually put out a pitch that's going to be worthwhile if you don't even have all of that behind the scenes stuff from them. I was, um, so I write about women across all industries and there is an up and coming musician. She's phenomenal. And her PR team didn't even tell her which publication I contribute to. And the interview went okay. It wasn't spectacular. And at the end, she goes to me, I do have one question for you. Uh, who do you write for? Wow. And, and I was like, well, Forbes? <laughs> and then she went, oh, and like her whole tone and everything oh, changed. But the interview was already over. And the article didn't come out that good because she wasn't yeah, it really opened up in the way that she would have for Forbes. Yep. She thought it was like maybe just something else. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And then I went back to that publicist and I said, you don't tell your clients 
who they're speaking to. She goes, they don't need to know. Like, Oh my God. Oh, I thought you were going to say like, we tell them, but they probably didn't read the emails or something like that. Nope. She's like, they don't need to know. And I was like, this is huge for her, you know? And it just, yeah, it went south pretty That's quickly. so weird. I'm surprised they would even use that as, like, even if that is how they felt, I'm surprised they would have said that to you. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's such a strange thing. And then just another thing is the top-tier publications, um, we can't, I shouldn't say everyone, but the majority don't use backlinks to the person's website. They don't want to, unless if you do product write-up, you're not going to be just focusing on the product because that's considered free advertisement. Mm -hmm. And that's what a lot of people don't understand either, especially for me doing profiles. Like, yes, I include a little bit of your company in there and that's great, but the whole article isn't on your company. I, I need to know your story because there are brands that pay top dollar for ads on these major publication mm-hmm. sites. So that's always good to know too, when talking to your clients, depending on what publication you're going into, because yeah. it, it, it can't be a free advertisement for the company or, cause then if we do make it that way, like our position, you know, our column is in trouble. So yeah, yeah. no, that makes a lot of sense. That's something we do discuss a lot with clients too, <laughs> because yeah, they're like, well, I don't, you know, that would be great. But like, you know, doing, doing a profile. Like I want it to be like, they'll want like every piece that comes out to be about the company or about the product. And we're like, that's, it's first of all, unrealistic. It's just not going to happen. But also people are going to buy from you once they get to know you as a person. Like once Mm -hmm. they see a profile, I think a profile is so much more valuable than one more article about the product, because that's, what's going to make people actually feel like they know you and like want to take part in whatever it is you're doing. If somebody likes somebody, they'll buy something that they make because they like the person and it almost doesn't even matter what they buy. I mean, like, you know, to a certain extent, yeah. like I think it's a lot more valuable <laughs> and I try to get that across, but we definitely work with people who are like, yeah, but that story, you know, it doesn't even show my product. So it's something yeah. we deal with a lot. What about, um, I'm curious about like how it works as, as a contributor or, you know, any, any writer, I'm sure, but you know, you have to kind of plan out what you're going to write about or what you want to write about. Do you have to run it by an editor? Like what is that kind of like behind the scenes process look like? And I know you said like sometimes stories are backed up because of the photos, but like I imagine you have certain deadlines and like, what does that look like from the behind the scenes kind of side? Yeah. So um, it, it really just varies publication to publication, but you do have to let your editor know what you're writing about. And if they don't approve, then you know, there is no article. So that's why having all that information is so good within the pitch, you know, after the snapshot, because then I can craft the pitch better when I send it off to the assistant editor saying, here's what I'm working on. And then they get a better idea of what it is. But now I have writer friends at different publications and before they can interview the person, they have to run it by their editor. And then sometimes that takes two to three months just for the editor mm. to approve them to then do the interview. So That's what I feel like it, it's always up in the air when it comes to like follow-ups too. Like sometimes we're mm-hmm. trying to gauge like, and depending on how well you know it works and how well you know the writer, it's like, I know they need to run this by an editor. So like if they might not have their meeting with them until like next week. And then, you know, you don't want to bother them too much before then because they're not going right. to know anything, but like, it's hard to know from our end like what that process is because it's different for everybody. 
Yeah. And that's why building the relationship is so mm-hmm. important because then you know, okay, at Forbes, they do it this way. At New York Times, they do it that way. At Entrepreneur, they do it that way. So when you do the blanket emails, you're it's not helping the cause. Yeah. And, and also, I mean, I don't know if you've ever done this, but never ask a writer for a draft like that. That just goes against. I've had clients ask for that. (laughs) I've had clients that are like, oh, can we like see it before it goes live? Absolutely not. Because if there's something factual that I want to double check, I'll just send them that sentence to fact check. But I've actually had, this happened a couple of times where they go, we loved your piece. But here, we re- rewrote your piece. Can you publish <sighs> this one instead? And I said, one, not only can I not do that, but two, don't ever contact me again to, Absolutely. You know, to write about your client. So, yeah. Wow. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, uh, the stories I have are just, <laughs> it's crazy. Totally. Absolutely oh crazy, but yeah. It sounds like you probably also get to talk to some really amazing women and it must be like constantly inspiring. It It is. I have interviewed women from literally around the world and I'm just speechless. They are just so inspiring, so down to earth. I mean, you always get the couple who aren't, but the majority are down to earth. They love talking to you and sharing advice. It's incredible. And in one hour, I have an interview with Kansas Cameron Bure, uh, DJ from Full House. So I am wow. just so excited. You mean one hour from right now while we're talking to you? Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Cool. So I, I get to interview women like that. And it, yeah, it's that's incredible. amazing. Yeah. I, I love that. Yeah. I think, well, oh my gosh, I'm so happy that you were able to come on here and talk to us. <laughs> I. It's like, if I can help one publicist at a time, (laughs) I'm there. (laughs) No, I think it's amazing. I think it's amazing that you're even like willing and able and interested in doing like having these kinds of conversations with us. Like, I mean, at the end of the day, we're all working together to to create something. Right. And I think it's, it's helpful to everybody, but I really appreciate it because I know not all writers <laughs> take the time to do yeah. something like this. So is there, I mean, I want to make sure you also have a chance to share, like, is there, I know this is not your full-time total thing. So do you want to tell us a little bit about like what else you do and like anything <laughs> like that? Totally no pressure if you do or don't, but <laughs> yeah. well, uh, well, sure. So how I met the former editor at Forbes women at an event And as I was getting onboarded, she goes, well, what are you the expert in? And I had started two companies. I had 15 years of experience in sports entertainment. And I said to her, I'm really good at failing forward. When project A doesn't work or idea A doesn't work, I go to B, C, D, et cetera. And she goes, I love it, but we need to make it a little bit more positive. So I really had to reflect And I said, okay, what does failing forward actually mean? Ah, pivoting. I love it. Run with it. No one else is writing about it right now. And that just, that put me on such a different course in my life. So I thought I was going to be a world-renowned event planner, go around the world, doing events for top-rated companies, all this stuff. And that just, just didn't work out that way. And Now, through the column and then my dissertation, I said, I have all this knowledge, I have all this data, 
let me share it because everyone pivots at some point, even before quarantine, you're always pivoting. And if you're not pivoting, if you're resisting it, you're failing, right? You're not going anywhere. So now I'm actually hosting webinars and workshops and I'm starting an online academy to help people pivot. But with pivoting comes the self-confidence building, the networking, um, pitching, like you name it, because in order to pivot, you have to have all this in place and you have to know how to do it to Mm -hmm. succeed. So I am 100% focused on Embrace the Pivot, and it's going to be an online academy come March 2021. So right now, if you follow me on Instagram or LinkedIn, um, you see all the webinars and workshops that I'm doing right now leading up to it. Cool. That's awesome. I can tell how excited you are about it, which I just love. (laughs) I'm so excited. (laughs) That's amazing. So I want to be cognizant of your time and probably wrap this up, but, um, well, did, I just want to make sure, did anybody else have any other questions? Cause I've totally monopolized the whole thing, but nothing else we really wanted to get in. Okay. Awesome. Um, (laughs) anything else that you want to kind of leave anybody with or any way, I mean, do you want to tell people like how to like where to find you on Instagram or how to get in touch or anything? And if you don't want to share that, that's totally totally fine. Of course I want to share it. (laughs) So you can, I'm on Instagram and LinkedIn. So Instagram at embrace the pivot and then LinkedIn it's Cheryl Robinson. And you'll see, it says contributor at Forbes women. So that's who I am. And just one more token. I'm so Mm -hmm. networking is so critical. I believe networking is the number one key to success who you know gets you in the door, what you know keeps you there. Mm -hmm. And as much as I say for publicists to build relationships, it's also important for writers to build the relationships too. So it's a two-way street. It's not just one way because you may have clients that I want to interview and that I have to be able to go to you and say, hey, can I write about so-and-so? And I've been shot down before too. <laughs> like They're like, we just don't have time for another interview. And wow. I was like, okay. So it, it's definitely a two-way street. So I just want your listeners to know it's just not you know, benefiting you by building a relationship. It's benefiting me as well. So yeah, I'm always, yeah. you know. That's great to hear. Yeah. I make sure that's at the forefront. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, that's awesome. I think that's wonderful. And again, I just can't thank you enough for coming here and talking to us and, and the fact that you're going to let me put this on, on the podcast too, I think, which I probably should have said something about before. So anyone who's listening (laughs) knows, but um, I'm just really excited to have this. I think it's going to be so, so useful to people. And um, I know it was really useful to us. So even if it's just us, thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. (laughs) Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this show, please subscribe to Quotable, a female millennial entrepreneur podcast. So you won't miss the next episode and leave a review on iTunes. So other people will be able to find us easily. Also, don't be shy to get in touch with me or anyone you heard on this show. We're all about connecting and our Instagram handles and contact links are always in the show notes. If you have questions or ideas for a future episode, or you want to submit a guest or to see those show notes, you can do all of that online at quotablemediaco.com slash podcast. One other thing, join other listeners on Facebook and Instagram by searching female millennial entrepreneurs and joining us there. Talk to you soon and see you there.